You're in Alabama? I am. I am. Absolutely. Nice. Huntsville? Yep. Yep. North Alabama. Uh, the Rocket City. See, that's what I love about these southern towns. I'm in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee right now. Um, I spent probably all of last year being an independent artist, I guess, all around the south in the U.S. And it was kind of funny because you go to one town and we got a college. We got a rocket. We, uh, we got a college and a rocket, <laughs> right, or something like that. This one. Well, we, uh, we have an entire freaking NASA industry out here. So an entire NASA military base, basically. Yeah, Huntsville. So I mean, we have a lot of stuff. Thank God. Yeah, no, Huntsville's pretty cool. People are sleeping on it. Are you guys facing the uh, great migration of everybody buying up all the land? Uh, that's been going on quite a while. I mean, it started with the politicians locally, and you know, they bought all the places they knew would be guaranteed to be bought up. And with us expanding like we are, and uh, them expanding the military base next to us, the the, pro the in the last twenty years, we've almost tripled our population in the entire general area. So yeah, you can best believe people are land prospecting every chance they get around here. Tell them to go to Mobile. There's nobody in Mobile. They need people. <laughs> Mobile's solid. It's a nice place. Uh, the water's nice. <laughs> it's just so empty. They need more people. I think I think a lot of Alabama feels that way. I mean, outside of the major cities, you do find a lot of rural, just nothing. Oh, for sure. Um, Tennessee, I've lived in Memphis for before I moved here, but I've been to Nashville. I've been like all over Tennessee and uh, we get it just as bad. Uh, everybody hates Nashville because they're like the center of it. So, mm. yeah, they're the all the Californians moving, buying 20 properties, et cetera, et cetera. It's happening slowly here in Knoxville. Well, well, the interesting thing is how they do this. They come from California because they don't like the, they don't like the prices because of the the system they have out there. They come to to Tennessee, Alabama, and they buy because it's cheap. But then they vote for the same systems that got them outpricing their own home. I don't. Oh. It's weird. It's weird. It's funny and weird. Oh yeah, yeah. And then they they hate like so. I actually had this problem myself because Memphis and Knoxville two completely different Tennessees. So like when I moved to Knoxville. Like we got Oak Ridge National Laboratory right here, which has got a lot of like really smart nuclear scientist people. And then, you know, UT, go Vols, like uh, a lot of diverse people with the college. So you see all kinds of crazy things out here. Like one of the laundromats in this town, you pay with an app. Like, what the fuck? But then you get the people who are from here who are not like that at all. Quite the opposite of that. People that mm. you have to show them where the thing you're looking for is in the grocery store. But like, who are you to hate the people that you're intruding on? So like it, you can be two ways about it. You can get politically active and, Oh, I'm going to change the laws to the system. I hated and left that ran up the prices, or you can be humble, I guess, be a stranger in a strange land. I, I feel like you just, you just, you figure out what people are like and you just get along and go along in a lot of cases. And most often everybody's cool with that. I try and indulge my inner yeehaw when I get the chance, you know, I, Hey, you're in the right state for that. Yeah, it's, you, get, it's, you know, <laughs> it's an opportunity. I mean, I I had to quit drinking, but drinking and driving is a sport here. I don't know about for you guys, but it's I, I think it's a sport in the southeast because most places in the southeast, they don't have large, uh, you know, they don't have a, a very dangerous system. If you get caught drunk and dr drinking and driving, you may get four or five times before you spend a day in jail. Uh, for, for, for a lot of our history, we did not really punish people for that. So. I think it got kind of ingrained in society. Get your three, get your 30 natural lights in and, and go on the road and have some fun. Yeah, especially at night. You get down a two-lane road. Nobody cares. It's all private property. Yeah, all day long. Especially especially if you got the mountain passes. You know, you can sit there and see how fast you can do them and how close you can kill yourself. 
Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And then pray you don't hit a deer. That is that was when I realized I'm starting to become country. It was like a gradual step. Like I played my first game of cornhole, hit a deer, fucking let's see, what was the other thing I did? Oh yeah, drank and drive and dodged a cop in this like really windy mountain. And I was like, Yeah, all right. Smoking and the bandit shit right here. You've got to you've got to knock that shit off the redneck bucket list. That's what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, it's how well, I, I well, okay. Okay. The questions I have. Uh, ha- have you been to a full bonfire party yet? Oh yeah, I got a. I had to get a grill and a bonfire for my own backyard. That was like there you go. on the top first ten things. Um, I haven't gone noodling. That's on my list. I want to go noodling. I mean, I'm not barehanding catfish. I'm sorry. I can I can catch them all day with with a line if I know what the hell I'm doing. Why should I be putting my arm in the water and, and you know people drown for being stupid on that? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Again, was... I, I, part of being redneck is getting drunk and taking risks. Trust me. In, in Alabama and Tennessee, we we not let's not lie to ourselves. If you've lived here long enough, you've heard the words. Hey, hold my beer. Watch this. Yeah, Sur- survival of the fittest. Honestly, we we do Darwinism proud. We oh. take chances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Florida and like lakes and rivers in Florida. You don't, you don't go in them. Alligators. You don't like everything since I was a kid was don't. And I know don't, but now I've moved here and I see everybody like every two inch dirty pile of water. They're jumping in naked. Like I, I still have to face that fear. I've I'm gradually working my way up to it to just jumping into every piece of water. I see you just close your eyes and go as fast as you can into it. And if it's got a 20 or 30 foot drop, you enjoy the fall and just make sure you don't crush your, you know, crush your pelvis when you hit the wall. Safe, yeah. safe bet. For sure. Uh, so how do you feel like, because uh, you were like a, what, independent politician, right? You're like a. Oh, no, no. I actually, I, I mean, I've always been an independent my entire life, but I ended up running as a Democrat because in a two party system for you to get any kind of economical backing, any kind of as support structure around your campaign, you got to pick a side. I oh, hate the two-party yeah. system. I 100% believe we need more parties, more representation besides the main two, because you've seen how that has worked. But you got to be in the system to get to the top, to change the system, to put that system into, into play. And, and and that's that's not going to be easy if you're a third-party guy right now. Oh, God, no, no. Um, I mean, you were running for Congress, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I saw your website. It's a very nice website as far as, like, like so you funded this yourself i i did i funded and of course i did get some donors and whatnot and i did build an actual campaign i ended up losing the primary uh what's interesting is i lost the primary and the person who beat me she invited me to be her campaign manager and gave me the job her uh, a job helping her basically hey that's that's good that's good sportsmanship right there Hey, I mean, how rare is it that, you know, in politics, usually you make mo- no, nothing but enemies, but to actually find someone that that, that actually agrees and, and understands that you're different, but you're working for the same goal and work together. That's not really normal in American politics. God, no. And that's also like good for you, because now you've officially started a political career. That's just I guess it's meant to be for you. Uh, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, I just want to see I want to see a country that actually works for the American people. And I think. That's only going to come if we actually build that country. Uh, you don't just get to say it. You actually have to put in the work to do it. And I don't feel like the parties and people in charge are doing it. The, the shit you actually see in the day-to-day life throughout the entire U.S. is not what I've seen on the news. It's not what they're putting on computers it or anything. No, I mean, the, cl- the scariest place I've seen in the last year was like Michigan, Michigan or uh, Wisconsin. Never been there before. Scary place. 
just <laughs> I was scared to death. And I have friends from Michigan and Wisconsin. I've never heard that from them, but then again, they're used to it. Yeah, the, exactly. Like that's normal to them. You're like, wait, Walgreens has bars on the windows. Like, what the fuck? I've been in places that have a lot of bars on windows. I mean, I, I grew up in a in a neighborhood that was known to have all businesses have bars on the windows. Hell, some of the people did. Oh yeah, that's like, how you know you're like, in a what? nice neighborhood. Yeah. How valuable does the stuff you? Have? I mean, I've never been in a house that had bars on the windows that had a very valuable stuff in the house. It's just in a bad neighborhood, and it's just like, look, we're just trying to keep people out of the house. There's nothing here to steal, but they'll break in anyway. Yeah, I've. The reason I haven't gotten any home security for myself is, I mean, one, I got my gun. No. <laughs> I, that's the south you have to have the gun i think that's the only thing required that's the only thing they want you to have yeah it's one of those like if there was like a passport to get into kentucky and like below you have to have at least two handguns like otherwise you're not allowed down here that's that's part of it part of the requirement uh i, I think they've upgraded it's it's a shotgun and at least two handguns oh a shotgun and oh wow hey if you don't have your if you don't have your uh self a street sweeper uh, what are you really doing in the south everybody i know you walk in their house are you getting a 45 to the face a nine millimeter to the face or a, or a 12 gauge shot uh, shotgun what's the, what's to stop the freaking home invader whatever you want to call them from stealing the equipment like you know you got the little camera doorbell you can just break that off you break i it. thought about that i was wondering but i'm like i i, I realized in most cases you have to think about how to do this and i think most people don't, don't take the time because you're walking up and you see the camera in your face. Well, you can't do it now because it's already been recorded. You really need to know about this ahead of time and just kind of sneak around the side. Right, exactly. And then actually, they don't have GPS, so they're not going to track it. They're not going to know where it is. You just come around the side, swing it, done. I say have fun with it. Take it off of somebody's house. Go find another person's <laughs> house that has one and just switch them. And let's just see. Let's see who calls the cops first. I was this close to switching a uh, somebody had a Keep Christ in Christmas bumper magnet. So it wasn't a sticker. I was going to take it off and put it on someone else's car last night. But I'm no longer a criminal. So, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. The, we had the, to uh, all grow up at some point and quit doing those things. Yeah. But I mean, the thought was nice. <laughs> it was a nice. I'll tell you what fantasy. I did. Uh, this takes me back to when I was uh, a kid. Uh, we would have a Christmas party at my mom's work, which was a bowling alley. And it was a place I ended up working at to one of my first jobs. And this guy worked there was a big Alabama fan. And then Alabama and Auburn is huge in Alabama. So what I did was I bought the cheapest Auburn license plate I could. And one day while he was at work, I switched the license plates out. And then I gifted him his own license plate for Christmas. Oh, my God. <laughs> what, what, what was his face? Did you he get a busted out laughing. He goes, I was wondering who the heck switched it. He goes, now I know. And he's like, Dude, I may be an Alabama fan and I hate Auburn, but I'm keeping that because that's a great prank and that's a great joke. And he yeah. kept the license plate as long as I can remember. That is, that's another level of evil. I love that. What, uh, which team are you? Just curious. Uh, between the two, I go for Auburn of the two, but reality, I went to UAB. So being the fact I went to a third D1 school, I actually more root for my D1 school. Fair. Nice. It has been nice. You know, the last few years we've been ranked in the top 25. So that's been stuff I've never got to talk about before. I'm actually proud of that. Well, the thing is, like, you're far enough away from both of those schools for you to actually have a choice. Like, you could probably sneak an Ole Miss sticker out there and just. <laughs> there's, pl there's plenty of people around Alabama, especially since North Alabama and Huntsville having NASA has so many transplants where you yeah. find LSU, you know, Mississippi, UT, you will find like USC license plates and stickers. It's just. There's a, uh, it's a, you know, you have your local population, but there's a lot of transients because of the military. It's the worst fucking D1 school, I swear. Sorry, I know that's not your view. I, I'm not speaking for you at all, but fucking UT is the worst D1 school. Peyton Manning went here 30 years ago. I'm not a fan of the colors. I really don't like, I hear, and I'm sorry, I, I had a cousin 
uh, or a relative of mine who was from uh, Tennessee. And that song, Rocky Top, is the most annoying song. I, I I have nothing against Tennessee people, but that song is not something I want to hear. Uh, traffic Cone Orange would be a step up from Tennessee Vols Orange. Like, it's it's ugly. I, I don't want to buy any school material at all. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, that song. It's it, I don't have an opinion of it. It's just always there. It's always in the back of my mind. Like, it's always there. So, no, I get it. Growing up in the South, you know, you watch a lot of Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee football games. You see a lot of those on CBS. And when you're watching the game, every two minutes they're singing the song. It's like, look, is there, there's more than one song in Tennessee. Look, you've got Johnny Cash's entire record uh, discography to play. If you would like have everybody in the entire city of Knoxville jumping up and down. What do we do to stick to this one song? Elvis. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, come on. There's so much, there's so much more. You have the entire, you have Nashville and all of the music that, that Tennessee and the folk music of Tennessee and Kentucky, and yet Rocky Top is the only thing they play at the game for the most part. So for one of the things for me when I was, because uh, I still do independent music deep down, and depending on the size of the project I take on, you know, fundraising is part of it, getting involved is part of it, and I recently just left a job at a nonprofit, so I got a little bit of federal government work under my belt, but I wish they told me how unprofessional some of the things are that you're going to be meeting people in like bookstores and coffee shops. And like, you're going to have to do most of your phone calls, like on in transit or like on the toilet in the gym, you know, just sending emails like all day. Like it's very informal, very unprofessional and things get rescheduled constantly. It's like kind of a clusterfuck and you don't make it until the check clears. You're gasping for air every day until you get the election results. And it's you then then you're somebody. Otherwise, you're still nobody struggling out here. That's it. It is a it is a system that I just don't think is is a system that that benefits America. I don't think it gives the bright, brightest uh, the, the spotlight. I think it, it, it bends its will to who you know more than what you know. And I believe if you're going to run a country. Intelligence is the key to running a country. Education. So who you know isn't as important as what you know. And I think we've been doing it wrong for so long. And, and I think the way our businesses, especially in the South, in the businesses, uh, nepotism is a is a huge thing. A lot of people get their jobs because of their friend or or their friend's father. And it's like you're you're basically limiting the effects of talent in this country. You know, I, I believe the world is accumulation of talent, and if you have the most talent, you're going to have the advantage. But when you don't have the talent the talent in the right places because of nepotism or this and that, you're just hurting your company. And and, and if, as a country, you'd be hurting the whole the whole system. Well, this is where I, f- I have a point of huge contention with college because I put it off because I was very like, fuck that. But then when I got a taste of the real world, so to speak, I realized how many doors are closed for anybody. And that college for me has actually been a source of money. I mean, I've been cashing in on all kinds of weird grants and scholarships, but it's also a source of, OK, now you can claim this network and you can meet this person who will connect you here, join this club and I, I don't do frats or anything like that, but that's a whole nother side of it that if you want, if you go to the right frat, if you, you'll be in the right places, you'll get that six, seven figure a year job right out of college on an undergrad just because of the names that you can throw out on a resume. Mm-hmm. Sick. Yeah. And we can actually go a step farther than that. Um, they've done studies and they've openly said an Ivy League education is no better than most of your collegiate educations across the country. The difference is the networking and the names you're going to have on your resume. Yeah, It's it's driving a, a Mercedes versus driving a Mitsubishi. Like it's mm-hmm. it's now show me yours. I'll show you mine almost like pissing contest level. And yep. 
I've I've totally like in my college journey, I've had a badass attitude about it. Like it's always felt like a fight because I'm fighting myself. I'm fighting my own like, uh, I feel like a sellout here. But like it, I think it's a necessary evil. It's good in like society, I guess. I don't know. What's your opinion? Do you go to college? I went to college. UVA, I went, right. Yeah. UVA. No, no, uh UAB. UAV, my bad. Birmingham. Oh, uh, right. I went to UAB. Uh, I was 17 when I walked in the door. So my mother had to sign all my paperwork and everything because I was still a minor. Um, Damn. I graduated at 21, four years. And then I took a year off and went to UH and got a second degree. One's in biology, one's in chemistry. My intent was to go to medical school. But by the time I got my second degree, I was so burnt out from college. I don't ever want to see a college classroom again. So all of that work to actually accomplish something I thought was going to be a great accomplishment ended up going to waste because I ended up not doing what I went on to school for. Yeah, uh, at a bowling alley. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, I ended up a lot different than that path, I guess, because I didn't finish the program. But as I said, I'm burnt out. And even today, I'm still nauseous of the idea of going to school. You know, you, you put somebody in school from the, the age of from them just basically coming out of diapers in the preschool all the way through 21 to, or 22, 23 years old. That's a lot of time frame for somebody who's only 23. You spent 18 years in something. It, it 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 weighs on you. I think we need to look at how we're building our system because we need to make sure it actually benefits the children, not, you know, you're getting too many people that are under pressure. And, and the fact that this is basically job training and, and your grades matter, I think it puts a lot of stress on people who are literally just trying to learn and become better people. What I've found is for me, I haven't learned what I'm actually studying. Like my degree is in finance, but, uh, my associate's degree is in uh, business management with a focus on accounting. So I've done a lot of accounting shit, which that's not a learned skill. That was something that is something study wise that college did teach me how to do. And I didn't like I've worked in it. I still kind of do it for some people, but I'm not that good. Like well, I would give you a CPA, not me. Like <laughs> Jesus. I saw some, uh, my best friend. He, he lives with me. He, uh, he showed me yesterday on his phone. He had a thing. What's the difference in an, a bookkeeper and an accountant? I was like, a bookkeeper is an everyday, an accountant does that large. A bookkeeper, if he steals from you, he's getting 40 years. If the accountant's stealing for you, he's getting four months. I was about to say, uh, nobody knows what accountants do. That's like sort of the going concern. It's just like, huh, nobody knows what we do. That's well, what their we entire job is, is really just to maneuver around the money to make the ends meet, make things look good. And of course, pocket a little bit of bucks if they can get away with it, I guess. Right. And see and call out any places and anybody stealing or anywhere this stuff. But yeah, you don't have to be good at math. There's like everyone's like, oh, you got to be good at math. No. <laughs> Half the people I know with a CPA are terrible at math. But Outside of that, all I've really learned how to do is like format stuff better, be a lot more like learning how to work with difficult people and like actually work with them to and not like fight them the whole time. So you could have done that on a bar and happy hour when somebody didn't have enough money to cover the bill. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But this is more of a like because you're forced to do it because of deadlines. Bar and happy hour is pretty relaxed. I, I'm, if there was a doctorate for that, I could I'd be there. Trust me, I I do teach people to bartends at times for money. So yeah, I mean there is somewhat of a doctorate. Not I mean, not to the level of a college degree. No, my always my problem with bartenders. I got out of the food industry after five years in the. It helped. It kept me alive for sure. But like, that's all it does. My only problem with bartenders is like they act like they're doing something way more than just pouring a fucking drink. You know, they act like I get it. I know craft cocktails take a little bit of like a bit of work, but like, come on, you're pouring a fucking drink, dude. You're not, it's not brain surgery. My statement to everyone about bartending is simple. 
Uh, anybody can make a drink. A real bartender, it's going to come out in their personality. It's going to come out in their talking and their skills. Uh, a smarter bartender is going to talk and have a lot better, you know, discussions with people. And it's going to make people stay at the bar longer. I mean, it, it, your job as a bartender should be to be part of the entertainment. If you're not being part of the entertainment, because your job is to keep people at the bar longer, drinking longer. That's more money for the business, more money that's going to be tipped out to you. That's more, that's good business. So your job is to, to, to be, may, be the best you can for these people, you know. And a lot of times you may have to play roles. Like, you know, you're with a person who's having a mental breakdown. Your job sometimes is to be a cheap version of a psychiatrist. You know, for me, it's 10 bucks and a tip, whereas a psychiatrist, 300 an hour. Other oh, yeah. times I get in a position where I've got to talk football, which is my favorite thing, or or this or that. And, and you kind of have to you kind of have to be multifaceted as a human being. And if you really do become a really good bartender, you could have drink lists of a thousand, a thousand, two thousand drinks that are in your head at that point, where the, the amount of knowledge you have about what you do and how to do it. You really do have a doctorate in what you do. It's just you're still just pouring drinks. At there the is a reality. Of the day, at the end of the day. No, but you're right. There, there is that like, so prostitute has two definitions and there's the second one isn't sexual and it's pretty much, you know, being a the traditional courtesan definition where you're in a, you know, like a geisha would be in, a, in, in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, fit, wow. Didn't see, didn't see that coming. You're, you're, <laughs> you caught me exposing a weakness here. I, I have a preconceived notion of what geishas do. I didn't know they didn't do that. Cool. Learn well, they might actually day. do that. I don't know. I just know that their <laughs> their base part is to be entertainment, and they're traditionally they they entertain the men. They don't sleep with the men. But if the man gets enough money, traditionally there is ways for that to happen. Hmm. But they're not supposed to be women of the night as much as they're supposed to be acquaintances. And like like if you bought a, a, a somebody to take on a date night to a, to something, that would be the similar. That's what they're supposed to be like a date for the evening. It can it can devolve to sex, but it's not always supposed to. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um just like a bartender yeah hey hey take care of your bartenders don't treat them bad we can take your woman or uh, we can make sure she don't go home with you oh yeah that's true you set them up with somebody not, yeah well um, i mean it, i mean it, it, look as a bartender you see all types of people and if you see a woman with an abusive man on a first date or somebody that you know is like look she doesn't know he's playing games with her if you you know you might give her some warnings because you don't want to see you know where that rabbit hole goes you know the type of per toxic person she's going home with and the things that's going to happen with that person and you may sit there and go, look, maybe when he goes to the bathroom, look, honey, this might not be the best guy for you. I'm just telling you as an outside observer, not trying to get in your business, but I just know what I'm saying. You you get a good feel on people when you do this a long time. There is a, isn't there like a legal obligation if there's like, if she's crying or something that we have to like ask as a bartender? Is that like a policy that st stands at each bar? Because I've been in a couple situations. One of them I didn't have to. And like my boss was like, don't. But I was like, dude, she's fucking crying. Like that guy. You don't have to. You don't have to get involved. But it, it is your response. It is a responsibility that you should take just, to, you know, for your fellow humans. I mean, I would say just in general, just for general regard of humans uh, that oh, yeah. it, it, and most bars I've worked on actually have symbols and things that and, and things they can do where somebody feels like they're going to be raped or they're being improperly that they can do the bar. Uh, a lot of times they'll put these up in women's rooms. I have a list of things you can do or things you can tell the bartender to let him to note, know to notify management or notify the police or something to help because this woman feels like she's in a situation she can't handle. Yeah. Yeah. There's like certain cocktails they can order. Right. Or like there's a certain code word. Yeah. I, uh, let's see. Have you seen those like 16 seater, bicycles that people bring their own drinks and pedal around town I, they haven't come to huntsville yet but i i would love to bring one to huntsville it would fuck your town up 
There is one. There is one of those in Birmingham. There Birmingham. Have, there have been some to work in Huntsville. The you know they all in all sides of the bar. I have seen them fall over while I was work, living in Virginia Beach, work, and that was hilarious. Seeing all those people fall one side, you're like, well, you waited in one side and you see half the sides pedaling really hard, and the other side not. I'm like, well, come on, yeah. good luck. <laughs> I drove one of those for about a year in Memphis, and just the shit that would happen. God, like I, I have stories for days on that, but uh, I, I think the uh, I think the biggest problem I've seen in the South versus anywhere else I've lived, especially pedal bars like that, they overserve. They always overserve. They never like. There's a lot of not like management will scold them after the fact, but they still take the money. You know what I mean? Like that's what it's about. I teach people when I'm teaching them bartending things about the South that I don't teach from other parts of the country. Like in the South, you've noticed if you've gone to a bar, there's not a lot of bars you get head on your beer when you have a draft. It's because in the in the in the South, a lot of people feel like if you have that head, that head is foam and not beer, so you're cheating them out of money. Correct. So in the South, you know, the South has always been economically behind a lot of the rest of the country, and so people are a little frugal, so they always ask for more. You'll find a lot of people begging for extra fries at Walmart. I mean, at, at McDonald's. And these are the same people asking for, hey, man, can you hook me up a little? And you don't want to overpour because you could lose your job. So you'll you'll long pour it or do something to give them the illusion when in reality you're giving them whatever is recommended by your bar. You guys don't have a state lottery, right? No, we do not. Man, and uh, I'll tell you like this. I know millions of our dollars leave Alabama and go to Mississippi, Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee for that. And it is frustrating. That's money that could be going into our education system instead of Tennessee's education system. It's not legal, though. It's because y'all are too poor. Is that what it is? Or is it there's there's some yeehaw law that that's restricting it? It's it's just this ideology that, you know, the Christian right does have a large swing in Alabama, but, you know, with the Republican Party having a super majority. And, and you've seen how the politics have become very extreme in the Republican Party. We have a very extreme party here that has a lot of power at the city county and state level i mean it's a super majority all over and they've just always been pushing against the lottery of uh, the indian nations that have land here they're always pushing for gambling and the lottery and casinos and they fight that i it, it's been it's been a tough fight to get anything i mean we've legalized marijuana but only at a level that's so freaking impossible that it really doesn't constitute legalization that you would consider legalization you just wouldn't go to jail for it maybe you might even go to jail for it still. They just, it, it's, it, it was written like, oh, we're going to legalize it. But then it's like only in the smallest, most narrow-minded circumstance you can possibly have that probably doesn't affect anybody in the state. Uh, yeah, that's, to me, as far as political reform is concerned, the marijuana thing is pretty big. Because uh, one time, this is a fun fact, I was leaving California and headed back to Tennessee, which I wasn't really, but... I was stopped in Yellowstone National Park. They pulled me over. Uh, I had to do all the nose touching and walking. I wasn't drinking, yeah. um, but I had edibles in the car. And they searched my car, and bam, I did one year federal probation because of edibles. I didn't go to jail. I've never been to jail. I had to go to federal court over the phone. That was really funny. It's a fun call. Um, the judge asked me, because I had another prior phone call where I explained my entire history of life, and they were like, yeah. How can you say that you're not a drug addict when you've done all these drugs? I'm like, well, I mean, I peed clean, right? Like, not addicted. Doing drugs does not make you a drug addict. Being yeah. a drug addict makes you a drug addict. If it's an everyday necessity for you to functionally survive, at that point, you're addicted. 
If you're randomly every once in a while, let me get a little acid and have a little fun today. Well, it's not the most recommended thing for your body, but do you. That's your prerogative. You're a human being. You should be able to decide what you want. Personal liberties. Yeah, but by the time that was all said and done, when I met my probation officer, my federal probation officer, the look on her face was just, I am wasting her fucking time. And I'm like, yeah, I bet I am. And that was the, a very, very stupid year. That was Well, the criminal justice system is behind where it needs to be on marijuana legalization. Um, before I ran, well, during my campaign this year, I was, had an article done by me in High Times Magazine about the fact that I was running in Alabama with a pro-decriminalization pro position and a pro-legalization of marijuana position. Uh, so, so for me, I mean, it, it's intrinsic to who I am. I, I grew up as a kid. I started, I did, I drew, did my first illegal substance at nine and became an actual drug dealer and joined the gangs and the criminal organizations when I was 11 in middle school, because they were options for me in my neighborhood that I, I, I and me being a business minded person, it was money to me. I didn't think of it as illegal or dirty. I was like, these people want something and I've got it to, to make money for. It's the fucking bars on the windows. That's how it starts. I swear to God. It does. Uh, it, it's all it's an, it's it's an entire culture fight. I mean, it's at every level. It's in everything we do. We we talk about it individually, but it is the culture of our country. No, we there's there's all kinds of gangs. I mean, like as we were talking about earlier, we could take fraternities and call those gangs. Like honestly, absolutely. As far the Trump as organization, you could consider a RICO statute gang right now. I mean, exactly. Because they're federal political parties again. I mean, the way they do things, they're working together. They manipulate the situation. They're, sometimes they're doing illegal activity and sometimes a lot of illegal activity. Yeah. One of the, a lot of things like that. One of the funniest things is that the criminals always end up being the best cops and sometimes cops end up being the best criminals too, but they uh, definitely, definitely once you do that, like early on in life, I see most people end up taking a more righteous path later on. I definitely wouldn't have guessed that about you for sure. I, I think a lot of people, we, we you know, I, myself, I'm actually a genetic psychopath. So there's a lot of times that I do things wrong that I don't know they're wrong to the general people because I don't have the emotions to understand the emotional outcome. I just know the logical outcome is this isn't wrong. It didn't do any hurt anybody. And as a kid, I didn't understand that. And I was hurting people emotionally, but I didn't know it because I wasn't hurting physically. Mm. And it wasn't until I got mature enough where I understood what how how people who have emotions use them and how it affects their psyche and mentality because it does it plays a lot on their personality that I had to learn how to be a better person myself and to recognize those to not offend those people and to at least be able to function in society properly. Oh, self improvement is is I eat, sleep, and breathe that. I have been a piece of shit for I don't know too long now, and I I lost track. Like I until I started cleaning up especially getting sober was the big thing for me. I was, I was an alcoholic. That's why I still am. I mean, but that's why I don't still bartend. I needed to, it's just not sustainable. Like, cause I'm just going to drink and I get all this free alcohol and it's mm -hmm. all the time and you're surrounded with other alcoholics. So it's normal that like, once I realized that like, Oh, normal people don't have these problems. And then I was creating all of these problems. Like one of my jokes, like, it's funny you mentioned that the bartender has to be entertainment because one of my like peak alcoholism things to do was to find a hotel bar, sit down and just rope people into conversations just for my own amusement. But one time this bartender girl, she asked me, can she get me anything else? And I was like, oh, yeah, you got any reasons to live back there? And she's like, oh, is that a brewery? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've made so many like uh I was walking into the end of a shift and some random person asked me, well, what is there to do on a Tuesday night in Huntsville? I was like, to get higher, fuck. After that, I don't know what to tell you. 
Yeah, I mean, you you kind of sound like public enemy number one as far as political Alabama is concerned. That, that's uh, you sound it's like- interesting. Rep- like I have done speeches, you know, in front of Republicans and Democrats, and even Republicans who have never voted for a Democrat were like, "I at least respect you as a person because you come real. You you come authentic." It's because I am. I don't sit here and bring lies and bullshit. I don't I don't like bullshit. I just tell the truth. This is who I was. I came from this stuff, and I'm trying to get rid of the problems in America that caused it. I think in America, what we've done too much is try to put Band-Aids on wounds, not realizing the, the the country doesn't heal itself. It's not like the human body. You put a Band-Aid on your arm for a cut, it'll heal itself. These wounds that we have in our country don't heal themselves. We have to actually get to the bottom, feel like, feel, figure out what caused them and heal those wounds. We haven't been doing that. And that's why we still see the same problems sometimes 200 years later. The problem is, I think that it's easy when we look at statistics and read numbers but there's so much real life that happens and there's so like every person is individual, your experience mm-hmm. in life different than mine. We may have done some of the same things, seen, been to some of the same places, but we had completely different experiences and takes on it. So what I think, so like just for example, let's say we both went to the same McDonald's on the same day. And I think the checkout lady is a real bitch and you love the checkout lady, you know? And how do I fix that? You know, and I come to you and be like, why is she such a bitch? And you're like her, you know, and then how do you repair that one by one by one? You know, it's like, there's no, I don't hate everybody at that McDonald's, but now it's this one specific person. A lot. I, I don't know. I think people could do better just overall, just I, generally. And, and you also got to think, say I went there eight in the morning, right when she got there and she's still bubbly and fresh and you got there two o'clock and she's had a rough day. Well, she'd be, different with you than with me. And we're seeing a different side of the same person because of, of all the things that's gone on. Right. And a lot of those are in her control. Some of it's out of her control, you know, and, and we've seen how if we've worked McDonald's and most of us, I haven't worked one, but I know a lot of people that have, and, and I've seen how they work the stress level in that place. There's a lot of jobs I've had that are that, that talk down to McDonald's employees. And I'll be honest, some of those McDonald's employees are doing more work and having a harder job than I do getting paid more. I was in a just- lot of cases. I was about to say they do get paid way more than I think. I the one down the street from my house is doing a 401k matching program. God bless you if you're trying to make that your career, but yeah, wow. Uh, you better move up and make regional manager because I mean I think I think only store managers don't even make you know, depending on the store, some of them make 50, 60 grand and make livable wages. And I don't think some of them aren't paying that well, you know, in the 20s and 30s, not to that same standard. Depending on what part of the country you're in, that could mean that could mean a lot. You could I know a guy that actually made Burger King a career because he ended up being the regional manager and was making six figures. Mm. He started as a fry cook and a burger flipper at 15, but by the time he was 30, he literally made it a career and paid. It's, it's you really, can do it. It's just it's really wild that you can make more doing service jobs like general manager or franchise owner of a Chick-fil-A makes like 250k and that's like base. And you don't need a college degree for that. You don't need a master's degree for that. No. You know, so you're think about get- it. Uh, bartenders uh, at the top tier can make up to half a million dollars a year. If you're a main bartender at a at, a, at an exclusive uh, bar in in Las Vegas, they'll have you a two hundred fifty thousand dollar contract where you still get all your tips, and you got two quarter grand up quarter million up front, and then you're going to make a quarter million tips that year. People don't realize there's a lot of money in the service industry. It's just the majority of people don't make it. Yeah, it, it's kind of. It's kind of discouraging because it kind of shows the uh, kind of holds a mirror as to how selfish I can be sometimes as, of, as to what I want to do. Like, yeah, I could just say, fuck it, 
pay all my bills and live real simple. But I decided to do this <laughs> instead. You know, I decided to have a podcast and do independent music and finish this college degree. And it's like, oh, fuck. I had a state job, you know, state benefits, state 401k, all the retirements and stuff. And I gave it up to run for politics, something that has no guarantee, no safety net. Yeah, I mean, I did the same thing. Yeah, one step at a time. I mean, you don't regret it, obviously. I it, I feel like I can't regret it if I'm doing it for the right reasons. And my reason is not like a lot of people who is, I want to make money. I want to have say, I want power. Me, me, me. It's not an entitlement. I actually want to see the world work as it should. I believe that the world isn't fair because no one's ever tried to make it fair. I believe that if you put in the right system and you actually set up everything right, you could have a fair world where those who own businesses would still be extremely rich. But yet people who go to work every day would have a roof over their head, clothes on their back and food on the table and not be worrying about their next bill, their next injury, their next whatever that would put them back in bankruptcy. Yeah, for uh, the wealthiest nation in the world, we are we treat our people pretty poorly. We're in a world of have and have nots, and that is a sign of corruption. Yeah, for it's sure. a direct sign of it. Yeah, I mean, illegalized lobbyists. I mean, question as far as political stuff. This is kind of controversial. I know this is kind of like left field. Sorry. Uh, do you think religious organizations should be taxed? I'm going to put it to you like this. Ulysses S. Grant actually said that if you don't if you don't tax the churches, eventually they're going to be the ones in power in this country. You know, and you look at what some of these religions are making billions of dollars. They have property. They have, you know, like the Catholic Church. How many churches does it own? How much property does it have? How much wealth does it have? It's making millions billions it's buying politicians they have super PACs that they're donating to that's donating to political politicians to get things like abortion overturned they're doing this they're manufacturing they're they're meddling in american politics and in americans lives in a country that's supposed to believe in freedom of religion as well as freedom from religion if they're going to be politically motivated then they should have to pay for it just like everybody else and that's taxing i've I'm going to say the uh, wilder religions like Scientology and Mormonism aside, you, I mean, you've lived in the, you, we're in the Bible Belt. Like f around your house right now, I'm sure in less than one mile in every direction, there's at least two churches. I'm sure you're like less than one mile from at least two. I've three, got, actually. yeah, I've got three that I can think of and four just a stone's throw a little bit further. And that's only in like walking less than one mile distance from my house. Now, meanwhile, the pastors of these churches usually drive like the new Toyota Tundra. You know, they drive the new F-250. They're eating freaking steak and lobster every day. And it's like, is that how Jesus wants you to live? Like, as long as they pay the bills, they're good. They do whatever they want. And I had a, uh, I have a grandmother that she's old, but back in the day, she used to work at a church and she would, she would cook for them. But turns out, yeah, they would be eating steak and lobster every night, at least in her experience. So, no, I think especially when the people who go to church are the ones who are suffering and need that positivity and need that help the most. To see all that money not going back into the community itself and get pocketed, and I'm sure not every church does that. And yeah. also, I think somewhere along 10 years ago ish, the super churches started to come up like not even the Joel Osteen level, but like smaller where like the 
there's a coffee bar in the church, like a little bookstore, child care. They do rock concerts. Well, like, you got to think the evangelists of the 70s and Peter Popoff and all those guys that were doing hate faith, uh, faith healings on TV and selling you mystical water. I mean, there's been a lot of people and I, I'm not saying most religions like that. Most religion is probably trying to do the right thing by their rules of their religion. But you're going to have people who are looking for advantages in everything. Corruption comes in everything you build. You know, if you're any apathetic about anything, somebody can come along and try to look for a way to take advantage. And you kind of have to be on your P's and Q's about that. Um, also, if you look at religion in this country, and I forget who said it, but they made a statement, I guess it was 20, 30 years ago. If you want to know how racially divided America is, just look on Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. That's and when good. you look and you go to a white church, you don't see a lot of black people in a white church. And it's the same in a black church and a Muslim church and a, a Jewish synagogue or, or or a Hinduist temple. It really does segregate on those on those lines. You guys, do you guys even have a Hindu temple in Huntsville? Uh, we have a we have a large Hindu population and Indian population in Madison uh, with the Patel family and, and everything they have with them. So. Uh, I've actually sp spoken at a uh, at an Indian rally for them. Uh, had a nice little short speech. Really great people invited me. Awesome. Uh, every time I see see them out in public, they automatically first. I remember when you came and talked with us, man. You were all like, I, they're just good people. Nice. So it, you know, Huntsville being it's really weird because it doesn't fit in the rest of Alabama because of all of the military and everything. It 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 is a more progressive area that seems sometimes. It's surprisingly because I think there's less racism in Huntsville than other places I've been. Like I lived in, in Virginia Beach and one of the first awakenings I had was there was more racial tension in, in Virginia Beach near the oceanfront than there was where I'm living in Huntsville. Uh, just because that is more so many ethnic groups are represented and so many college, so many of them are doctorates. It's hard to be mad at a man who's a do an Indian with a doctorate in, in rocket science or or a surgeon or or a, or a black man that's a that's that's a, that's a lawyer. It's really hard to hate on these people that you see have put in the work to, to benefit our society. Well, Virginia specifically, you've left the South now and you're in Appalachia. And well, that's what I claim, but you won't believe how many of the people in Virginia were claiming, no, no, we're part of the South. And I'm like, no, I'm from Alabama. There is a, a the heart of Dixie and the the the, the, the northern part of Dixie are not the same in the way they think and do things. No. And like, because that's the other thing. I mean, they were trying to say North Alabama extends to Appalachia. That's bullshit. It's uh, technically speaking, everything through Tennessee into North Alabama is the Appalachian Mountains, you know, but not to the same level. You're talking about in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, up through the up through Pennsylvania. That's way more mountainous. Yeah. And and more true to the style. Yeah, so it's a different South is what I'm yeah. getting at. Like, I've noticed just the way people treat each other, race aside, is different in Virginia versus West Virginia, Pennsylvania, places like that, versus Florida, Tennessee, Alabama, California even. And, mm -hmm. like, it's just regionally, your history says a lot. Like, fuck, what do you know about the Alamo? Um. I know that it was Sam Houston and the company. They were sitting there, and it was they were they were beaten by the Mexicans, and it 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 pushed all of the country, the state, and to go into war. And supposedly, it's the lost battle that created a one war of succession. Right, that's but you, the general overview. But you could tell me a lot about the Civil War. I bet probably Depending. a lot more. Probably a lot oh, more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because it isn't re it isn't re you know obviously the Alamo being regional to Texas, and it's. Right. It's leaving Mexico and joining the U.S. and yeah. that and Alabama being 
more centrally located towards the Civil War. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so you, you trade on that. Yeah. Like what they do to you in school, you know, like I grew up in Florida. I've been asking a lot of people, but like I had to read Huck Finn. Apparently a lot of people these days around my age and older haven't had to read Huck Finn. And I'm like, well, a lot of them, a lot of uh, places banned children from reading it because of the racial profanity. Yeah. Well, I just look back at it now. Like, yeah, real great. Put that book in in a 12 year old's hands and then try and explain, like, you don't have the maturity for that. No, (laughs) You just you just hear it. he called him M Bob Jim M Bob yeah. Jim or this or that like what why is he calling him that you, you don't know the contents of the context of the era and 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 how things happen I mean you can you, there are so many different things explored in 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 Mark Twain's works you know and the fact that he was in the 19th century versus you're trying to read it now in the 21st century a lot of the stuff you need to know about the history of the era to get the references he's making oh yeah but that's the thing like. That's what it comes down to how we treat each other in different regions. It's what they indoctrinate us with. And it starts as children and with education, like you said, for sure. I actually have a, uh, a, a speech on Sunday night. That's about calls to activism, you know, racism, the fight for women's rights right now, uh, differences in education and economics. And I'm trying to write it on an entire scale of, of why we've gotten here how we've gotten to this point where we have so many issues we're having to fight on and and ha- and, and and how part of our society society has been indoctrinated against ideas that they shouldn't be that, that that violate what we think of as Americans when we say the basic words of the constitution but then again you look at the constitution all men are created equal oh slavery's legal white all men are created equal slavery's legal i mean deep down you got to look at amazon and jeff bezos is like slavery 2.0 but that's just me <laughs> You can't take a piss without a without a bottle. You know, you can't do you have to you have these extreme time frames to make things happen that are almost impossible for a human being to do for eight hours. They are dying. And then, People yeah, are dying. And then you have the fact that since we got off the gold standard, we didn't attach the minimum wage to the standard of inflation. So instead of us being the minimum wage being twenty four dollars an hour, which would be the same as it was in the sixties when we were a more profitable society economically for the average person. Uh, they took that off and it made it where the inflation means all of the inflated money went to the upper 1%, while as the, the rest of the money, just the normal minimum wage stayed with everybody else. And you end up with a giant wealth gap that you're still fighting. Oh, yeah. All the time. And then and, and all that goes into. And as I said, I don't think it's a racial issue at the end of the day. I think we 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 sometimes see issues just based on who's saying. It. And so we'll see a racial issue and it's actually an, uh, more of a feudalism issue. I don't think I think there are a large amount of white people, black people, uh, you know, Latinos, Asians, all in this country that are all suffering economically because of the system we're in. It's a rich versus poor system. But because of this little ideal or that thing or, or this little thing or police brutality against this group or something, you, you see it more as a racial issue when it's actually more of a, a, a an issue of of wages altogether of feudalism. Still. But- it, it goes back to the McDonald's employee, the one that we can't agree on, and it's why we can't unite. It's why mm-hmm. we can't let us getting fucked by the man be the reason we go, you know what? I don't care if you're from here. I don't care what part you, what books you read when you were a kid or how you feel or what words you say. Like, we're all getting fucked by the same thing. Like, yes. and that's I, what I, needs I, to change at the end of the I day. And I think the funniest thing about it is there's a lot of people that don't believe we're getting screwed over by them. 
if that was the case, I mean, that's the thing. We have to unify against the ones screwing us. And I think there's an entire section of this population that are fighting everybody else on that because they've been indoctrinated to believe those same people that are hurting everybody are actually helping them. God bless them. I wish I had that. I wish I could be that content. I wish I could put the rose colored glasses back on. I wish I could do that. I, I never had them. I never, you know, that's, that's I never had them. I never had them. So it's like, what good was it? I saw the world as it was and just went, well, here we go. Yeah, I was I was also at a very early age, pretty exposed to reality. I also had a really good education growing up that I took for granted. I didn't realize how good I had it in Florida. So coming like once I moved to Tennessee and like half of my friends were like, oh, I'm homeschooled. And then I'm like, that's kind of weird. But then shooting at this high school, gang violence at this high school, uh, officer kills kid at this high school. And you're like, I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of any children getting killed or any gun violence, because I think that is, that's something you should not make fun of. Of course, but not. an interestingly rare story that actually happened to me when I was in school, 1999, they had Columbine within a week or two. I was at athletic practice, which was the last practice, last, uh, last class of the day. And it then went into practice afterwards. And there was another kid there and they instigated this kid to fight me. And in doing so, I ended up knocking him out and power bombing him neck first through a steel bleacher. Within two weeks later, this kid is arrested at school because he came to school with a gun and a hit list. Were we don't what? know who was on the hit list at all, but I'm pretty sure I know who was persona number one. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm at home at 11 o'clock because they sent everybody home because obviously the kid brought a come to school with the intent. So they sent everybody home. So I come to my house and my mom's outside. What are you doing home? It's 11. Somebody came to school, I guess, to shoot me and they stopped me. <laughs> that is wow. Oh my God. That's insane. For the next week, there's all these counselors there. If you need counseling, come. And I'm just like, and they go through everybody. Do you need counseling? No, I'm alive. Yeah, nothing happened to you. (laughs) No, but I didn't know who it was. I was laughing the whole time. It's like, and I and I know I shouldn't laugh at it, but in my situation where I'm the number one target, obviously it's funny because I'm still here. I'm only not laughing hard enough because I'm so fucking sad that that happened to you. That it didn't Uh, actually happen at my schools, but that that does happen. Like, why? It's just one. It's copycat bullshit. Oh, they because before. That wasn't an issue. What no. the fuck? What's funny is if you look back at the 60s and 70s, when people wanted to make a name for themselves, they didn't shoot large groups of people. They shot one really important person and people remembered who they were. I like instead, instead, now you have people shooting 50 people and we just call them the Las Vegas guy or or the, the Orlando guy. It's like, wow, maybe you were better off just shooting the one person you hated. Yeah. If you wanted to be recognized, be, be real. Yeah. But well, back to the gun violence thing. That was just the one of no. this. Uh, I mean, I've had a list of gun violence happen to me. Really? Just because, you know, growing up where I did, do, dealing with I did, there was a lot of times guns were put in my face or I was threatened. Um, when I was in my 30s in Virginia, I, I was working with an escort service to as security. There was times that that people put guns in my face there. In fact, the last guy to put guns in my, a gun in my face, I made him pay me for it. <laughs> Think about it. I went up there. And got 60 bucks out of a guy who put a gun to my face. No, no, you're going to pay me, dude. You're going to pay me or I'm going to kill you with your own gun. Like, I literally told this guy that. That's the guy we need in politics. We, we need somebody with those negotiation skills, honestly. That's why I want to do it. I actually want to see the right, the right things happen. I want to see the world improve. I want to see the average America, American have a better life. 
And we need somebody that's, and, and I think that's the thing. And the Republican Party stresses, I always say it's a balls versus brains. I feel like the Democrats try to be more logical. They try to be. I'm not saying they are. I'm not going to sit there and put either, either party on a pedestal because I, deep down, being in being in the party system, I tell you up front, there's some things I don't like about either one. I'm not going to badmouth them, bad mouth them either completely, but I do have things I disagree with. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a free-thinking person. But as it is, I think overall, on average, the Democrats are more logical and brain-oriented. They're more, they try to use their brains. And I feel like the Republicans are more about balls, you know, strength, power. And I think that putting those two things together makes you a very dangerous person. When you're smart enough to know how to act, but you have the testicular fortitude to act how, nece- how is necessary. Because sometimes what is considered the better way isn't always the way that's going to work. Sometimes you do have to have that brass to stand up and say, no, 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 I'm putting my foot down here. The buck stops here. we got to do the right thing. Yeah. Growing up in Florida and then also being in the Southeast, I got very sick of the red states. I got very, I, I thought I registered Democrat the first time I, when I turned 18, because that was how I could vote in the primaries. Uh, but when I moved to California, I got so sick of the blue shit too, that like, it's, it's I like, think on, it's too, I think on both court. ends, on both ends there, I think on both ends is where the problem is. I think the moderates in both parties I've talked to a lot of them. They see a lot of eye to eye, but I feel like the parties don't represent the moderate area of those two, the, two the, the, the voters that are between the two parties. I don't think either side really represents them. I feel like the Republicans have moved to a more extremist right wing. And I feel like a lot more of the Democrats are extremist left wing. And that's why they're and it's a it's a my way or the highway style for both of them. So it's going to make more disagreement instead of us actually trying to find common commonality to come together. Yeah, I always refer people to George Washington's farewell address on things like that because he he fucking hit the nail on the head. Um, did you know? Speaking of Republicans and Democrats and power bombs, the uh, you familiar with WWE WWF? Yes, yes, I am. Uh, Vince McMahon and his uh, sexual harassments. Oh, and wait, wait, paying off with gut, with state with the uh, money. Seventy six percent of the company, and he still got voted out as CEO. That's interesting. Uh, the demon Kane, the devil's favorite demon. He's a uh, yes mayor. He's my yeah. He's our mayor. Uh, he just won yeah. real. He just won re-election. I registered to vote here, and I, I didn't vote last presidential election. I'm kind of leaning towards no president. I mean, how, what's the worst that could happen at this point? But uh, I did vote for him because I was like, and not for no other reason than just four more years, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Yeah. Very- I feel like I feel like if I feel like if you're gonna be Kane, if you're gonna be Kane, and you're gonna be mayor. Then when you do like come into the city hall, you know, for the meetings, you should have like the cane music playing and you have your entrance music. Oh, yeah. Well, what was the common Knoxville comment is the guy who made a career wearing a mask was anti-mask. Funny. Yeah. He was, though. He was Mr. Anti-mask. It was, well, he's a, he, he's, a, he's a staunch Republican. So, I mean, yes, and, they took that, and they took that stance, which was really a childish stance, strictly to appease their more Christian religious oriented evangelical evangelical uh following yeah i think sometimes they just try to appease the people the wrong way <laughs> you know if you bring beer and weed usually most people will be pretty cool with it i'd say yeah. at least the people you want to be cool you know people you want on your side i i think i mean i actually go back to the statement i just made and, and say it like this i think Groucho marx uh it, it's a paraphrase of what Groucho marx said he said politics is Figuring out the problem 
and then putting together the wrong solution. Nice. <laughs> Basically, that was his idea, paraphrasing the politics. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so just to wrap everything up, which, by the way, thank you so much for your time. This was this was fun. You seem like a really cool dude. If you're ever in Knoxville, fucking hit me up. You're, you're always Absolutely. welcome to come hang. I'm always down to talk on here if we can. Hell, I'm always, in, I'm always down to talk and just have fun and just, just go at it. Yeah. And next time I'm by the low mill arts and entertainment center, I'll, I'll be sure to give you a ring. If you are, you aren't, but a mile from my house, give or take. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I've been there a couple of times. I like it. It's pretty cool. Uh, just, Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the fact that, that it's a that it's a, a communal ish a communal place. They everybody can rent. And everybody works together. There's a lot of different artisans and, and a lot of different. It's really a nice so place. Specifically, in town. Low Mill. Yeah, that is that's like a total highlight. Totally worth the trip to Huntsville for, no doubt. Well, they just they just um, they just got it finally put in writing that they're going to build a sky bridge. It's going to connect downtown and Big Spring straight to Low Mill, because what they're going to do with Low Mill then is is they're uh, regentrifying the entire area. And they're also going to regentrify the entire area and build more of a, of a of an outdoor bar scene too to go with this area because they already have Campus 805 through Stovehouse, and they're going to continue that and they want to take that and basically make uh, an entire its own like river walk thing, oh, but no. basically from downtown all the way to the Space and Rocket Center and Botanical Gardens would just be things to do, different things to do, different bars, different uh, uh, artists. Just I think it'd be a, a really good atmosphere around what, this area. What's that big outdoor mall? What's it called? Uh, we have Bridge Street. Uh, we have another one that's that's already half built, and they're building more on it. That's going to be called Midtown, and I believe they've even set broke ground on another one with us of growing as much as we have in the last twenty years. So much uh, has come about. I mean, we even have a new amphitheater of about ten thousand seats, a new outdoor amphitheater for music, and that's been fantastic for the for the area. I uh, I believe it was Bridge Street, um, but yeah, I got kicked out of there for playing drums. It was great. Uh, all the people that play there i think they actually get permission to play there and have to pay like a rental fee or something i'm not sure about that don't quote me but i know there is some kind of connection to that that they have to get some permission oh no see i've worked security myself too so when i get kicked out of places like that i take notes so when i have to kick people out i know how to or how not to do it i, I don't hey, my rule to everybody is a person who's been in security for a lot of years if you act like you've been there a lot of the times you'll end up being there because <laughs> If you act like you be there, most people will not mess with you. They'll just they'll just assume you know where you're supposed to be and let it go. You also look like a pretty big dude, so that helps. I'm 6'7", 250 pounds. Yeah, look at that. I, I wouldn't <laughs> fuck with that. You could have been the most gentle guy in the world and never done a thing. But I wanted to ask you, your quote from the movie Network there, was there a reason why? Is it? A, have you seen the movie? Are you a fan or what? I mean, movie I get Network. Where did I quote that at? You were like, everybody's got problems. I've got problems. Some movie from 1976. Right? I've not seen the movie, but I think that's a general. I think it's a general consensus that, you know, in America, I think a lot of people put themselves on a pedestal. Well, I'm suffering through this. I'm suffering this. Forgetting that, yes, you might be suffering, but so are other people. Right. I think I, it, I, I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everyone knows things are bad. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, that's what I'm saying, because I think a lot of people are like they, they take it and they internalize and say it's me, me, me happening to me, me, me forgetting. No, no, no. It's happening to all of us. We're in this together. And because remember, Republicans are me, 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 and Democrats traditionally are us, us, us. And that can cause some of that divide, too, because that goes back to what is called uh, in philosophy as liberalism. Classic liberalism, liberalization, liberalism is pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. And modern, modern, I can't say it for some reason, liberaliz liberalization is we pull the group up with us. 
And I feel like it's a continuation of the same idea. I get myself to a level where I pull myself up and then I pull everybody with me to the next step. Now, now that's dangerous territory. That's like almost anti-capitalist right there. That's <laughs> I, I'm always a capitalist, but I do understand that if if I I don't need to make all of the money. I don't need to. That's the thing. A lot of people think they need to make all the money. No, no, I don't want all the money. I don't want all that. I never have. I just want to know I've got a good life. If I can be the president of the United States, make $400,000 a year, I'm happy with that. I don't need any more than that to be happy for myself. Other people might because of their own greed or whatnot, not me. I just want to see a world where if a person works hard, they can be as rich or as powerful or whatever they want within realm and scale that's fair. And anybody that's willing to put in work and help us roll this ball forward will at least be guaranteed food on the table, clothes on the back, and a roof over the head. Yeah. Did you know you and I are both closer to being millionaires than Jeff Bezos? I know. I know. It's disgusting. That man won't hit, you know, he'd have to lose 300 billion to be closer to a million, to a hundred million than I am to a hundred million. It'd be more likely in your lifetime to become a millionaire than for him at this point. Yes. He literally makes like 50 50 people's life savings, like um, a second, some insane number of money per second, him and him and, uh, you know, and what's his name? Uh, Elon Musk and, and Bill Gates, all these guys have huge sums of money. It's like, what good is it? What are you doing with it? Like most of it is locked up in paperwork and in businesses. It's just wealth, but it's wealth that that screws with our economy. It screws with our inflation levels. It screws with the growth of everybody else's uh, economics too, because it, it gives too much wealth to one person, even though it's not physical wealth. We've got to move this around a little bit. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's an ongoing process. Well, I, I appreciate you for fighting rock flag and e- rock flag and eagle. I can't say it either. Uh, <laughs> fucking yeah, keep kicking ass, taking names. You're always welcome back on the show. By the way, this is a great talk. I'd love to be back. Uh, I, I I think we could do this a lot. It's, it's just enjoyable for me. I awesome. love just talking to people that, especially people that think alike me and are more open minded. Like let let's just wing and see what happens because yeah. that's when you get your best stuff. Exactly. Plus, you know, it's hard to find out here in the south sometimes. Yeah. And I think and I think sometimes you're just looking for somebody that that does think the same way as you because you are sometimes feel like you're isolated and it's you in a pool of people that you don't know. And you do want to see at least feel at times that there's somebody that thinks like you, you know, some kind of fraternity without the mobism of actual fraternities. Oh, I'm crazy. I'll let people go. I got a friend, man. He's doing this whole manifesto about how we need to disband the fraternal order of the police because it shouldn't be a union. And then he just goes on and on from there. And I'm like, wow. And like, it's like more like just popping popcorn and listening to him rant. It's really fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm personally on the police thing. I'm not going to go with the the, the extreme liberalism of all cops are bad because I have met some cops who were not bad. They really tried to do an honest job. I wouldn't do it. But I've also met cops who were absolutely corrupt and dirty and sometimes were protected by other members of their of their of their their profession. And, you know, if you're dirty, that's fine. You should be in jail. The people that are protecting them, though, I, I have a problem with them because you're eliminating you're making yourself look bad. You're making it where cops look bad because you're protecting a bad cop, uh, somebody who is actually giving cops a bad name. Cops policing themselves, I feel like, isn't the way it should be. And too many internal affairs. Let's get an actual system in place. Yeah. Deep down, I still feel the Constitution, all religious texts, all laws, they weren't ready for the fucking Internet. And there needs to be an update. They they be updating the terms and conditions. They got to update this shit because I can commit I, I felonies this, on the computer. Oh yeah, I, I think what happened is 
the world for the majority of human history has been progressed quite slowly. Until the Industrial Revolution, we really were agrarian society, very slow. Things didn't change very fast. But if you notice within the last 200 years, even with like, say, I was looking at something, I was looking at biblical writings today, like traditional biblical books. And you see in like, this one was written in 1100 BC AD. This one was written in 1500. This one was written in 1600. This one was written in 1900. Just very few different differentiations of the Bible. But then within the last 30 years, there's like 20 different Bibles now. Like the amount of, of information has sped up in, in the world so fast that I don't think anything that the world's made is going to catch up with how fast society evolved all of a sudden. Oh, no. We just outpaced our own evolution with in the, 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 the fact we became interconnected. I think that's what happened. That's that's a great way of putting it, outpacing our own revolution. Yeah, because there's no time to appreciate anything. There's no time to actually like process anything. I mean, I have to force myself to still get over shit that happened four years ago. You know, I'm still... <laughs> We still haven't gotten over COVID. And you realize now COVID's, COVID started in 2019 at the last day of 2019 into 2020 for, for America. It's twenty late it's mid-2022 going into the second half. And we still haven't gotten over that part. And we've dealt with how much more since then? Uh, was the new thing monkeypox? Yes, that's the new one. To go with the fact that they're talking about another strain of uh, COVID, you know, decimating parts of the population and us back to i think fifty thousand in the country in, in in icu again or something it's like man it's a hard sell catch up <laughs> it's a it's a hard i think everybody's really burned out from all of this now I've, and which is terrible because these are real sicknesses you know mm -hmm. you can you will get sick if you're yeah, not yeah yeah absolutely but, i got i got my vaccinations and still got got the damn thing it's like well there you go exactly it's uh but still it's like, fuck, <laughs> you can't, we're, there's so much, there's going to be so much apathy about this. I'm sure there are people who still haven't left the house. I'm sure there's still a group of Americans that are still, have been under hard lockdown the whole time. There's been people who've been agoraphobic for 20 years. You know, yeah. they weren't, they, they were, they've been agoraphobic since 2000. I mean, I was actually picturing the old Chinese woman who used to ride the bus with the face mask in like 2005 and just how smug she's feeling right now. Just like. Uh, <laughs> I was right back then. Yes, ma'am, you were. Yes, yeah. ma'am, you were. None of us are happy about it either. She's like, mask shortage. What are you talking about? I've been making these for years. <laughs> I've been sewing these, to making my own custom designs. Hey, as long as you don't end up the monkey pox, like the guy with the toilet paper or the guys that had all the hand sanitizer that ended up getting stuck for thousands of dollars trying to speculate. As long as we don't have that happen with monkey pox, where all of a sudden I can't find anything to wipe my butt again, I'll be okay. Give me another name. Just, this sounds like some shit straight out of the Simpsons. Monkey pox. Like, give it another name. Please give it, like, a medical COVID-19 thing. Like, don't... Monkey I pox. Think it, it probably has a name. I mean, I'm pretty sure that even, like, even smallpox actually has a an actual scientific name. It's just so commonly said to say smallpox. And since this is a relative of the pox family, it's just... Where does it come from? You have cowpox, monkey pox, chicken pox, right. you know. Jesus Christ. It's I, I pray for this country every day. I, I, I take a little extra 10 minutes out of my day and just go, you know what? For everybody, just one day I'm, at a time. I, 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 I put it like this with me on the capitalists and I'm because I'm a capitalist. I'm going to put this out there. I personally think the way the system needs to work that's going to do the best we can for all of us is we need to we need to socialize the needs and capitalize upon the wants. Let's make sure that people's needs are met because that's what lowers drug use. That's what lowers crime crimes. That's what will clean up the inner city, you know, where I'm from and where you've been through. 
um, this that will be beneficial to our society and that will help us build together because then you also have the capitalistic part where your wants are still capitalized on you can still make your money you and still hustle everybody can make their bank but at the same point we at least know that people who work will have their needs met taking care of each other that's what it's all about that's what love it see love is not just a word it's an action For and sure. taking care of each other is showing respect respect is love you know making sure that your brother eats that's love 